0: We are in uh, uh, Sunday 25 in our series through the book of Acts, and next Sunday we will finish up uh, with Acts chapter 28, Uh, but this week we're going to focus on a storm that nearly sunk the ship that the Apostle Paul was in uh, as he was headed to Rome He had appealed to Caesar and uh, last week we saw King Agrippa and the Roman governor Festus. Uh, They tell us in Acts 26 verses 31-32 that this guy is innocent. He's done nothing wrong. Uh, He could have been free if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. Acts chapter 27 is the story of one Storm, major long storm that the Apostle Paul went through. And lots of folks down through church history have asked why devote an entire chapter of the church history book, the early church history book of the Bible, why 44 verses? It's not just a chapter, it's a long chapter. Lord, why did you devote and inspire Dr. Luke such a long chapter? So let me give you a few possible reasons. Um, Verses 1 through 8, and you can look at them. It's on the back of your bulletin if you don't have your Bible. Um, Every verse, verses 1 to 8, uses the we. We, we sailed, and we went here, and we sailed to this port. Uh, meaning that the human author, Dr. Luke, was along for the ride. So I think we can say one thing. This storm made an impression on Dr. Luke. He, it was something that that really got a hold of him, and he was never going to forget this vicious storm that he endured with the Apostle Paul. Uh, second possible reason why we get one whole chapter just to a storm um, is because we get to see the Apostle Paul in a different light. Um, Every other time up to this point, we see Paul the evangelist or Paul the missionary, and he's constantly out there and speaking to the crowds and and teaching diligently. Uh, In this chapter, it's Paul the prisoner and Paul the prisoner as he's being escorted with Roman guards to Rome. Um, And what's interesting, even though he's not Paul the missionary, Paul still stands out and makes a difference, even though it's a very different place for Paul here in Acts chapter 27. Um, The third reason that uh, this is possibly included is, is this reason. Ready? Every follower of Jesus Christ will endure many storms in this life. Everybody here there are no exceptions even God's best and I would argue that the apostle Paul was one of God's best if not his best human being ever created even God's best are going to face storms in life. And uh, here's what's interesting, 2 Corinthians 11.25, you can turn there if you want to, but what's interesting, most commentators believe Paul wrote his uh, letter to the church at Corinth, first and second letters, a couple years before Acts chapter 27. And Acts, in uh, 2 Corinthians 11.25 tells us this isn't the first storm that Paul went through. 11.25 says that Three times before this, the Apostle Paul has been shipwrecked. And now this is shipwreck number four. And 11.25, 2 Corinthians says, he even spent a night and a day in the open water after his shipwrecked. And, and just floating there and, and hoping that he would be rescued. Obviously, he lived through that. So, just know this. If the Lord had the Apostle Paul go through four storms, four shipwrecks, we're going to face our share as well. Okay, we're in Acts chapter 27 now, and I'm going to ask Jay to put that slide up there, okay? And uh, here is the journey, okay? And this is kind of the first eight verses um, that's going on here. There's Jerusalem, there's Caesarea. There's where Paul spent two years in prison, went last week, before uh, Agrippa and Governor Festus, and now it's time we're going to put Paul on the road, okay? You're going to send him back to Rome. So here's what happens. Uh, They ship up to Sidon, okay? And now they're going to catch another ship, and they head on up, and sure enough, they get up here to Myra, and they switch ships, okay? Probably on a little bitty ship, and now they get on a big Egyptian grain ship. Holds 276 people, okay? And now they're going to go to Rome, okay? All the way over here, up here, okay? So here's what happens. They're going to go, and now they hit here right around the corner, and strong winds come, and now they get blown down here, and they're blown around the port of, in Crete called Fair Havens, And now they're kind of stuck, and what are we going to do, and where should we do? And now we're going to turn the lights back on, and my fun is done with my red pointer, okay? Uh, Very sad. Verse 9, much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous, because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. Uh, The Day of Atonement in 59 A.D., we can actually date this, Was October 5th. Now go back to verse 9. It's already well past October 5th. Um, So Paul warned them, Men, I can see from our voyage it's going to be disastrous. We're going to have great loss to ship and cargo and to our lives also. Uh, But the centurion, his name's Julius, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. From mid September to mid November, to sail in the Mediterranean, treacherous. You were taking your life in your hands. And it really wasn't recommended. You really shouldn't sail then, okay? So we're already middle of October, and they're in the really dangerous, treacherous waters. From mid-November to mid-March, nobody sailed. That's a death sentence. You want, you want to die, Henry? Get on a boat from mid-November to mid-March. Your sea is going to eat you up, okay? So Paul is now probably the most experienced traveler on the boat, Uh, We know he's been on 11 previous uh, sailings of ships, okay? So now he says, I just want you guys to know we should stay here in Fairhaven. The Lord got us here. We're safe. I know it's a small harbor. There's not much to do. We're in the middle of nowhere. But I'm just telling you, we should stay right here. But uh, the Roman centurion, Julius, listens to the captain of the ship, the owner of the ship, and says, you know what? Let's push on another 50 miles. Let's just go around the coast of Crete. There's this great harbor. And I tell you what, in Phoenix, that's the, this, this harbor. they got great golf in Phoenix. Did you know that? Uh, m- make your way to Phoenix. It's going to be nice. It's a great place to spend the winter. And now, verse 13, a gentle south wind begins to blow. Oh, look, it's a great day. This is our opportunity Let's go on now to Phoenix. So let's find out what happens after the gentle southern breeze blows. Verse 13. Would you stand with me? We're going to read on down to verse 20, Acts chapter 27. Here we go. Everybody join with me. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long... A wind of hurricane force called the northeastern swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. And we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda. We were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship to hold together, because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sartus. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Let's pray. Lord, I suspect there's probably some here today who are right now in the middle of a fierce storm, and they're starting to lose hope. And I'm asking, Lord, that you might show us today um, how to survive a storm. And Lord, I'm asking that you might help us to learn from your book why we even have to face storms in life. Lord, I'm praying that uh, your spirit will have freedom to move and shape and comfort and convict and encourage those today in your church. Help us, Lord, to see storms from Your vantage point from your perspective. And all the church gathered at Walloon Lake said as one, You may be seated. Verse 20, interesting. Um, We see the word we again. Dr. Luke talking for everybody, including Paul. We were giving up hope. Things are bad right now. The GPS is down. Uh, We can't navigate. We can't see the sun. We can't see the stars. We have no clue where we're at. This is bad. Now, I want to remind you of a promise that's already been made to Paul by Jesus himself. Hold your spot. Go back to Acts chapter 23 and verse 11. Uh, Jesus appears... To Paul, he's in Jerusalem, it's bad there too. He says, uh, don't fear, take courage, Paul, uh, just as you've testified about me here in Jerusalem, you're going to be my man to testify about me in Rome. So you're going to make it, and, and I just want you to know that's a promise from me. But now, Dr. Luke and Paul and the 274 others, they're losing hope. They're scared. Now, here's what's interesting. Um, Jesus promised Paul, you're going to go to Rome. You're going to be my man and speak up for me in Rome. But the Lord never promised smooth sailing. Never promised it's going to be an easy ride. Everything's going to be great. Calm seas. You're going to have fun. Um, It was never that promise that was made. We know storms and hardships and high seas and breakdowns and shipwrecks, that's a part of life's journey. And that was a part of Paul's journey. That was the process. We tend to be objective-oriented. Think about it, Todd. We're going to get the job done. We, we, we need to go shopping. We're going to buy shoes, and we're going to get out of the store, right? Right? We're objective-oriented. we got, we got to drive here. We're going to drive here, and we're not going to stop. Nobody better have to pee. We're going to get there. I'm quoting myself there. Um, just get me to Rome. I'm sure that's how Paul and Luke and, and the others were thinking. But the Lord says, no, I, I'm really more interested in the process, in the journey. Yeah, I, I'm going to get you to Rome But I've got things for you to learn and grow and you're going to trust and you won't learn them any other way. So on the journey, I'm going to do some teaching. And not just to you, Paul, not just to you, Dr. Luke. There's 274 others got things to lose, to learn, excuse me. Verse 20, again, many days lost. No, no sun, no stars. Now Paul stands up. And he's going to say some things to the 275 fellow crewmen and passengers. Um, Verse 21 After they'd gone a long time without food, uh, hadn't seen the sun or the stars for many days, Paul stood up before them and said, Just give me your eyes. What do you think he's going to say? What do you think he's going to say? This is fun. Uh, He says, Men, You should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Isn't that great? Think about it. (laughs) You should have listened to me. I told you so. I told you so. Uh, Then you would have spared yourself this damage and this loss. I I gave you good advice and you didn't listen to me. And I don't think he was saying this to rub salt in their very sad, stormy world. I think he was telling them because... He's saying, you, you know what? I gave you good advice. You rejected my advice. Now I'm going to give you some more advice. This time, listen. Make sense? So, so this time, listen to what I have to say. Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. is that interesting? Courage is something you've got to work at. Keep it up. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship is going to be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood behind, beside me and said, Hey, Paul, don't be, what is, this, what is the next word? Which means Paul was, because he had to be told, don't be a, okay, makes sense? He was scared, <laughs> and it seems like he had good reason. Paul, you must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all Who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as He told me. Nevertheless, it's not going to be good. We're going to have to run aground on some strange island. Take courage, grab a hold of it. It's something that you're going to have to actively grab. Uh, No one on this ship is going to die, all of you are going to live. How do you know that, Paul? Well, my God, my Savior, the one who I belong to, the one I serve, he said to me, don't be afraid, nobody's going to die. All 276 of us, we're going to live. Verse 25, and if you have no courage, then take courage from my words. If you don't have any faith, then grab your faith from me right now. Because I got enough faith for me and for you. Uh, Sorry, verse 26, the ship is going to wreck. It's not going to be fun. Verse 27, on the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings, they dropped ropes, weighted ropes, and they'd already... um, Done the math and figured out how long each rope was. Uh, The water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, the soundings again, they found it was 90 feet deep. Uh, Fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern, and they prayed for daylight. (laughs) In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending that they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Verse 31, And Paul said to the centurion, Hey, Julius, uh, unless these men stay with the ship, you're not going to be saved. None of us are. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Uh, Not happy sailors right there, right there. Uh, Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. Um, For the last 14 days, how long has the storm been going on? Two weeks. You've been in constant suspense. You've gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you, take some food. You're going to need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. And after he said this, he took some bread. He gave thanks to God in front of him. Then he broke it, and he began to eat. So Paul is passing out food. He prays over the food, uh, Breaks the bread apart and now let's eat. D- do you wonder what that prayer was like? I do. Think about it, dear Lord. Thank you for the rain today and uh, the lovely waves upon your ocean. I don't. I don't know exactly, but he was thankful, and they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, two hundred seventy-six of them were on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. Do you know what they just threw into the sea? Their payday. That, that was payday. This was a grain ship, and they were traveling to Rome with payday, with their money, with their gold, if you will. So now they throw their gold into the sea. When daylight came, they didn't recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. We know now that was the island of Malta, a small little island. There's like 500 miles. There's like this one uh, 10, 12-mile wide island. If they don't hit that, they're going to go hundreds of miles further and probably die. But just by accident, they hit the island of Malta. Today, this little bay is called St. Paul's Bay. There in Malta. It's kind of interesting. Um, anyway, um, cutting loose the anchors, they left them at the sea. They untied the ropes. They held the rudders. They hoisted the foresail of the wind, and they made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow struck fast. It wouldn't move. The stern was broken to pieces by the pounding surf. Now, verse 42 um, You're a Roman soldier, and it seems there were several prisoners on the ship, and we've already seen twice. If you're a Roman soldier and your prisoner escapes, what's the penalty? Anybody remember? Death. Uh, Whatever the punishment of the prisoner was now goes to the soldier. So if you'll notice, verse 42, the soldiers plan to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion, Julius, wanted to spare Saul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim. Hey, can you swim? Jump, swim to land. And the rest were to get there on planks or other pieces of the ship. Uh, Floating, baby, here we go. We're going to land. And in this way, everyone reached land safely. Everybody on the ship lived Now, here's what I like. Paul was promised, you will live. Now, think about it. He could have gone and then just hung out on his hammock, right? Or if they had a lazy boy somewhere on the ship, let's go find the lazy boy, kick up. The Lord Jesus has appeared, and we're going to live, and everybody will live, and I can just relax and be passive, right? And I'm telling you, that's not what's happening here. Look at verse 31. Paul is active. Hey, Julius, do you see what the sailors are doing right now? They're trying to get away. They're trying to abandon ship. They're scared. And I just want you to know, if they do that and they get away, we're all going to die. And sure enough, Julius takes quick, decisive, cuts the rope. The, uh, The dinghy is now drifting far away. Active faith. Verse 33, um, he's encouraging everybody to eat. It's been two weeks. You haven't eaten, guys. Got to get your strength. He prays, dear Lord, and now we eat because it's going to be hard. Faith in Jesus is active and alive. You write that down somewhere. It's active and alive. Even when the Lord gives you a promise, he doesn't say, well, now you can just sit back and relax and be passive. We know God's word. We know the promises and the commands of God's word. And and it's tempting. It's easy for us just to be passive with it. Well, Well, we got good promises. No, he says, I want you to put them into action. Live out the promises and the commands on a daily basis. They're not just to be leaned upon and let's go have hammock time. Active, put your faith in action, and they're all saved. Now we're going to switch gear. Nice, good story. Yay. Thanks, Dr. Luke, for writing that down. Um, But what does that have to do with us today? Uh, How how does this apply to us in our lives, 2014? Well, first, um, I think we need to understand why does the Lord allow storms to hit our lives, especially good, godly people like Paul and Dr. Luke and Aristarchus who was there along helping with Paul. Why, Lord, do we have to experience the storms of life? Okay? Now, here's what I need to say to all of you. If you're not currently in the middle of a storm, I have, I have a prophecy. Okay? You ready? Okay. I'm feeling it. Come on. Are you ready? If you're not right now in the middle of a storm, there's one coming your way. Okay? I promise you. That's what life is. There's, there's a series of storms that uh, come our way. So why, Lord, do you allow storms? First answer is this. Um, we have an enemy, and his name is Satan, and he has a de- not demonic army, and they hate us. And we are at war with them, and they want to destroy and defeat and discourage us. And I think a lot of what's happening here in Acts chapter 27 was Satan doing everything he could to keep Paul from getting to Rome. Up to this point, lots of different times, you got Satan and he's working and he's stirring up the crowds and there's persecution and opposition. Right now, he's beating up on Paul. I don't want this guy in the capital city doing everything he could to keep Paul away. Um, I'm just telling you, we still have an enemy today. And the Sunday after Father's Day, which is June 22nd, we're going to start talking about the invisible war that every one of us are in. And some of you are thinking, I don't want to be in a war. Too late. Too bad. Sorry. You are. If you're a follower of Jesus, you got an enemy. He hates you. He wants to destroy you. You're at war. He's already declared war. And we need to learn, well, how can I face spiritual warfare? We'll start that. It'll be the bulk of our summer. We'll be talking about spiritual warfare. Uh, Second reason, why do storms come our way? Why do we have to face storms? You ready? Reason number two, because quite often we make sinful, foolish choices in life. Now, here's what's interesting. Usually, when I make a sinful, foolish choice, and now I'm facing consequences, who am I blaming for this storm? Almost always, I, we, we blame the Lord. And, and yet, I've sowed foolishness. I've sowed sinfulness. And when you sow foolishness and sinfulness, what are you going to reap? It's not going to be good. It's going to be sad and ugly, and it's going to hurt. And lots of times, that's a storm we're facing. And, and what's the problem? Whatsoever a man soweth, that will he also what? It's a universal principle for all of us. Uh, let Let me give you Exhibit A. A man after God's own heart. What's his name? Man after God's own heart. David. This is a guy who has God's heart. And then one day he should have been out in the army with his armies in battle. Instead, what's he doing? He's peeping outside his balcony window and he spots a lady taking a bath and the lust machine gets... Fired up, and now he commits adultery with her, and she gets pregnant, and then he tries to hide it, and it doesn't work. So, what am I going to do now? You remember what he does? He signs the death warrant for her husband. Sin gets exposed. The baby dies. Family is in turmoil big time. Uh, Brother number one rapes sister. Sorry, PG 13. Um, Then, brother number two kills brother number one for what he did with sister. Uh, Then another brother tries to overthrow father's kingdom, Uh, tries to overthrow King David's kingdom. His son does that. And then David's soldiers kill that brother. And I'm just telling you, it's a mess. That storm was ugly on that family, and it just kept going on. And here's where it comes from. It started with sinful, foolish choices. And we don't like to realize that sometimes I create my own storms, but it's true. Third reason why storms come our way, uh, bad advice. Just we're listening to the people we shouldn't be listening to. We're hanging with the people we shouldn't be hanging with. Uh, I think we can make it to the Phoenix Harbor. And, And again, it's great there they got really good restaurants, and it'll be lots of fun to spend the winter there. Let's go there. We can make it. When they should have listened to the advice of Paul, the most seasoned traveler they had, and clearly the most spiritually mature. They would have avoided losing the ship and the cargo. They would have avoided all the fear and the mess. And I'm just telling you, they listened to poor advice. And a lot of times we're in the middle of a storm because we're listening to people we shouldn't be listening to. Um, Let me just give you one thing that I've learned personally. And uh, Denise has seen this in me over and over again. Uh, I almost always make bad, poor decisions when I'm in a hurry. And let me just tell you, so do you. Good, godly, wise decisions take time. And the more important the decision, give me your eyes, the longer you should take, the more, delir- the more prayerful, the more godly people, the more you should filter it through God's Word and His principles. I'm just telling you, uh, a whole lot of time, we're just in a hurry, and the first voice we hear, yep, yeah, that's got to be it. And that's usually the wrong decision. Slow down, be still, and listen for the whispers of and the prompts of the Lord Jesus. Uh, Fourth source of storms, we live in a fallen and sinful world. I know you've heard this before, but it's true. Ever since Genesis chapter 3, now storms and accidents and cancer and divorce and war are a part of this stormy world we live in. Okay, And I wish it weren't true, but this side of heaven, storms, are going to be a regular part of our lives till we're with Jesus face to face. A few weeks ago, we looked at John 16, Here's the promise. In this world, you will have what? Anybody? In this world, you will have trouble. You will have storms. You're going to have trials. That's a promise. I like the next part, but take heart. Jesus says, I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. And the fifth and final reason... For life storms, the Lord sometimes allows a storm because he's got stuff to teach us. He, he's got some lessons that we need to learn, and the best way for us to learn is through a storm. Matthew chapter 14. Um, I'm not sure I like Matthew 14 here, Jordan, but here's what happens. Uh, Jesus says to the 12, hey, get in the boat and go across um, the Sea of Galilee, and I'll meet you on the other side. And you know what happens in Matthew chapter 14? Jesus orders them into a boat, and when they get in the boat and they're halfway across, anybody know what happens? He sends them straight into a storm. But I'm telling you, some good stuff happened then. Uh, Peter uh, does a little walking on the water stuff, and there's faith building that goes on, and the Lord knows... You know what? Good stuff is going to happen, but it's going to happen through the storm. And in Acts chapter 27, uh, Paul's faith is built up. Dr. Luke, Aristarchus, Julius the centurion, and I'm telling you what, the rest of those people on that ship, they knew whoever Paul's God is, he's something. He's amazing. Jesus shined bright right in the middle of that storm. So, That's the why. Um, I want to close. Um, I'm going to give you four anchors for how to survive a storm. Uh, That's nice, okay. Uh, We we know they're coming, but, but when a storm hits, how do you survive in the middle of a storm? Anchor number one. We must learn to recognize the presence of Jesus with us. Learn to recognize the presence of Jesus with us. And here's what I mean by that. you got to daily make it your habit. I'm walking with Jesus. I'm talking with Jesus. Trial comes, Lord, what do I do? In other words, you got to already be in the habit of enjoying the presence of Jesus before the storm hits. I'm just telling you, if you wait till after the storm hits to try to... Get into the habit of enjoying the present. It's going to be really hard. And for most people, it's not going to happen. You're just going to feel lost. and It's going to be dark. I'm just telling you, get in the habit of daily connecting and abiding and walking with Christ now, and it will serve you well when the storm hits. Um, anchor number two. Remember that you belong to Jesus. Okay? Enjoy his presence. Now remember that you belong to him. 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20. Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. Are you a follower of Jesus? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. And you were bought by Jesus on the cross. He paid in his shed blood in love for you and for me. So, now I'm in the middle of a storm, what do I need to remember? Jesus picked me. Jesus chose me. I belong to him. He cares. He loves me, and he's right here with me. I'm one of his sheep, and he is my shepherd. John 10, 14 and 15. Paul knew and he talks about I just want you guys to know that the the God I know, the God I serve, the God who's walking with me, he is going to get us through this terrible storm. Third anchor. Rely on the people of God that he's placed around you and it's okay to lean on them. It's okay to let them help you through storms. Paul clearly was a man who recognized and valued Christian friends. Think with me now. He knew he needed his Christian friends, and he valued them, and he, I'm sure, um, you know, Paul, you you don't really want us to go on this ship with you. And I think Paul said, no, no, I I really do. I need you. Uh, Some commentators suggest the only way Dr. Luke and Aristarchus would have been permitted to accompany Paul was if they went as his servants, as his slaves. Oh, you you don't really want us to do that, do you, Paul? I need you, yes. Whatever it takes, I'm going to need you. Everyone, give me your eyes, everyone, even the great apostle Paul needs others. That's why we need church. We were made so that we need each other, especially when we're going through the storms of life. And I would say this to you. If you don't have any Christian friends, see me, see Pastor Bob, see Cal. We'll get you in a community small. You need the body of Christ. We need, that's the way we were built. We were created. And here's the key. You ready? Doing stuff for other people makes friends. Henry, listen to this. But when you let other people do stuff for you, that makes lasting, enduring friendships. But, but, but I don't need help. No, no, you really do. We all do. And when we need help, we need to allow others to come and help us. And that's what builds and forges lasting friendships. Fourth anchor, rest on the promises and the goals and the values of God and his word. When a storm hits, what are we tempted to do with this? Um, I'm just going to set this aside, and and I'm going to figure this out on my own. No, no, this, this is God's promises and God's plans and God's purposes for us. Right now is the time to dig in. Now is the time I need to be connected in the church more than ever. And I can't tell you how many times, give me your eyes, I'll notice one of the the members of the flock is gone and the Lord will bring that to my mind. So you know what I do? Some of you, I've I've done this and you know what I do. If I see you're gone and the Lord brings you to my mind, I'm going to call you up and I'm going to say, are you okay? What's going on? Myron, are are you sick? Are you mad? What's going on? And and here's what I get most of the time. Um, No, Pastor Jeff, I'm not mad. We're just going through a hard time. Okay, so where have you been? Well, we're just having a hard time right now. Okay, I I get that. So where have you been? Uh, Because, like, now is the time you need to be here more than any other time. Now is the time you need to be plugged in, and you you need this now more than ever. Make sense? But um, it's amazing we don't do this uh, with our doctor, right? Well, I'm having a hard time, Henry. Physically, right now, and, and and Doc, I just don't have time for you. Um, and Nurse, I just don't have time to, to see you. And, and pharmacist, I just I just am having a hard time. Well, that's foolishness. Exactly. Now is the time when you're having a hard time to hold on tighter, to dig in even more. Let's not give up the habit of meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day, the end day, approaching. We live in a world filled with storms and waves and wind. And the truth is, when a storm hits, a lot of times, I I, I don't know, I don't understand. I, I can't tell you the reason why. But here's what I do know. Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. That's the promise. Lord, I'm going to hold on tight to that promise. I know that you own me, you purchased me, you chose me, and I belong to you. That's that's an anchor I'm going to hold on to. And I know he's blessed me with a family, the family of Christ, the church, and I'm going to be willing to lean on them and ask them to hold on tight through this hard time. And and I'm not going to chuck... The promises and the plans and the purposes, actually I'm going to dig in even harder during those days. And then, last thought, give me your eyes. Even if the worst happens, if this storm is one that's actually going to take your life, what's the worst that can happen to a follower of Jesus? You ready? Breathe out with me real strong. Okay, ready? Now breathe in. And now that's heavenly oxygen, and that's in the presence of Jesus. That's the worst that can happen, is we get to go be with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, uh, you're awesome, and we thank you for getting us through the storms and the trials and the difficulties of life. And, Lord, I suspect some of my friends right now are in the middle of a fierce storm. Some, uh, it's a storm in their finances. Others, it's a storm at work, storm with family and children and grandchildren or parents, storm in their marriage, a storm with their health. Lord, uh, storms take thousands of different forms. And I'm asking right now that you'd help us to drop the anchors that you've given us. That you'll never leave us or forsake us. That we belong to you and you've purchased us. You've chosen us. We know, Lord, that you've given us uh, your church, your, your family to hold on to through the hard times. And, Lord, we know the promises and the plans and the purposes. And, Lord, although we don't understand, oftentimes we believe that you know what you're doing. And we trust you. And in the meantime, Lord, we look forward to being with you face to face. I pray, Lord, for each person right now that they'll hold on tight to you. Thank you for recording this uh, intense storm Lord, thank you for being there when we face intense storms. It's in Jesus' awesome name we pray. Amen.